0: Hello everyone and welcome to this special Sights on Sinnoh episode as we go over the rise of Darkrai, the first movie in the Diamond and Pearl era. With me today is JM, how are you?
1: Doing very well, excited
0: to talk about Darkrai. And joining us is a special guest this week, none other than Steph, how are you?
2: Hello, I'm doing pretty all right myself as well. I'm really excited about Darkrai talks.
0: Yes, all about that Darkrai discussion this week. And for those who are unfamiliar, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself stuff? Maybe your experience with Pokemon and anything Pokemon related?
2: Yeah, I uh, started Pokemon when Diamond and Pearl came out. I think I played... About halfway through it, and then I stopped, and then I completely stopped Pokemon because I, then I had Mario Party, and so I kept going with <laughs> Mario games, and so, nice. uh, and then I came back uh, during the Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon era. I played a little bit of that game, and then I've been completely Pokemon fan when Gen eight came out. Love Gen eight, been my it's my favorite Gen. Uh, with Memories of Gen 4 as well. So that's kind of my experience with the games itself. Uh, Anime-wise, I've seen mostly the Gen 8 anime, which is the Journeys, and the first probably the Gen Gen 1 um, of the anime as well. So I'm not very much into the anime part. Uh, so I do collect a lot of Pokemon stuff, though, like TCG and plushes though.
0: Nice, okay. I didn't, I didn't know you were gone from Pokemon for about three generations, between four and seven.
2: Yeah, that's not something I really talk about, but <laughs> yes, I was I was absent during that time because Mario kinda took over me and and because I had a little sister with me, it was a lot easier when the Wii came out to play Mario with her, like New Super Mario or Mario Party, Mario Kart, and so all of those games. Uh, came out when the Wii was out and the Wii U, so it was a lot easier for me to play with my my, si- my siblings.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because at the end of the day, each Pokemon game is kind of its own single-player experience versus all the Mario games that are very often the case, multiplayer, which is, I, I think, good for that family dynamic that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And going back to the anime for a bit, what have you Heard about maybe some of the older seasons before Journeys, if anything.
2: The Sun and Moon is alright, and I actually kind of started watching the Sun and Moon anime, uh, and yeah, there isn't really much that I've heard about the anime before Journeys.
0: A, A pretty clean slate for you then going into this movie. Um, I myself have seen this at least like three or four times. (laughs) Uh, so I definitely knew where it was going, but watching it for review purposes definitely added a new perspective to it for me. Uh, JM, how's your experience with the rise of Darkrai?
1: Yeah, so I think I'd seen this once as a kid. Mm. I don't remember. So Gen 4, I... Had seen some of bits and pieces of the anime uh, when it was airing. Uh, it wasn't something that I like continuously watched through like we're doing now for the show. Um, and I had seen the movies, but most of my familiarity with the Pokemon movies was the Gen 3 set. So uh, mm. the Laudios Ladios movie in that weird Venice equivalent um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. The Jirachi movie and the Deoxys movie were the three I was most familiar with. Um, I think I'd seen this one once, but again, very hazy on the details before this. Uh, and then the last time I had seen it was um, when Twitch, when Pokemon on Twitch uh, did that viewing, right, uh, a few mm-hmm. months back from when we're recording this.
0: Uh, Going back to the movies, Steph, was there any more familiarity that you had with the Pokemon movies specifically compared to the anime?
2: So I've seen Dark Knight uh, as well when they streamed it on Twitch Mm -hmm. uh, a few months before this recording. So that's kind of the experience with that. Other Pokemon movies, I actually think I've only seen the Mewtwo movie. And I've seen the newest one, which is *The Secrets of the Jungle*. Uh, mm. I think those are the only two movies I've seen before. Uh, I've seen *Dark Ride*, but I wasn't really—I wasn't really paying attention into it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair, fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, I have watched a lot of the first three movies because I had them on VCR, so oh, yeah. I know them pretty well. And not as much the, like, the ones after between that and Diamond and Pearl. Um, I have I think I've watched the ones from this era a bunch. And then afterwards, I kind of fell off because there's a very interesting decision in, in how they wrap up or how they start the Gen 5 movies. But we might get to that later if there's time. So let's just go ahead and jump on into... The Rise of Darkrai. Ash may think he's seen everything when it comes to Pokemon, but is he ready to face the mysterious Darkrai? In his latest awesome adventure, while on their way to a Pokemon contest, our adventurers pass through Alamos Town, home of the Space Time Tower. With the beautiful Alice, Ash and his friends discover that something is causing terrible nightmares for Pokemon and people alike. Baron Alberto, a dashing but arrogant fellow, immediately blames this turn of events on Darkrai. Who is Darkrai? Is it friend or foe? So, that's a bit from the blurb here, and we've we've dropped a few characters already. Um and as every movie goes, pretty much, there's a montage at the beginning with uh like clips basically of like past movies and all these legendaries just roaming about, so it feels like it's a VGC battle. And before we go into more details, Steph, do you want to give your first impressions of, like, how the movie went for you?
2: Yeah. Um, so, like I said, the very first time I watched it was on Twitch, and I wasn't really paying attention to it. Uh, the only times I ever paid attention to it was when I told Dark Cry was standing on its legs, because that was the most interesting part of it.
0: <laughs> what did you think about, like... The introduction of the legendaries of Sinnoh in this way. Like right off the bat, first movie, boom, here we go. Here's the legends.
2: I thought that was pretty interesting that they just started off. I, I thought it was interesting when they started off with all the. showing off all the legendaries as well in the beginning and then getting to the Sinnoh Mons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sinnoh Legendaries at the end, which obviously this is taking place in Sinnoh, so it would make sense to then focus on them. Um, It gives in a way into what's going to happen during the whole movie, basically. That's basically,
3: Mm.
2: it's just an intro to basically what's going to happen in the the whole movie. (laughs) And, And so another interesting thing that I found actually during the beginnings of that legend, when they show all the legendaries, is that all the legendaries and mythicals are shown except for Raikou. Which I yeah. was like, ooh! I was looking at them, and then I was like, you know what? I don't remember seeing Riko, and so I like counted to make sure that all like I like actually took notes of them, and I was like, wait, Riko's not even here. What <laughs> happened to Riko?
0: <laughs> I don't think they showed the legendary birds either.
2: Uh, they did show Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. Oh, they did. Okay. Yes.
0: JM, what are your thoughts on this legendary intro?
1: Very busy. I wasn't at all paying as much attention to the the intro. Lord, <laughs> look, Steph about. is
0: looking for justice for Raiku. Okay,
1: no, that that's totally fair. I just I'm so used to the narrator and his exposition that I was just like, C- can we get it going? Can we move on, please? I I want to get to Darkrai. <laughs>
0: yes, right. Like, give us the titular character.
1: After watching the movie, what do you guys think
0: about that title? The Rise of Darkrai. I'm kind of torn on it because I get yeah. it's supposed to be tricking the audience in some way to be like, it's about Darkrai, but at the end of the day, it's really not.
1: Yeah. I I have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay. Steph, do you uh, want to go first? Or- yeah, I'll let Steph go first if she wants to.
2: Yeah, I mean, with the title Rise of Darkrai, that initially I was thinking... Uh, before the movie started, that it was going to be like Darkrai goes up and gains power and is the most Mm. powerful Mon and can control both Palkia and Dialga. Uh, So that was kind of my initial thoughts, especially during the beginnings of the movie. That's kind of what I thought, okay, that makes sense, why it's the rise of Darkrai. But now I think it's just basically going up from the ground because it's a shadow. So Mm.
3: they're Mm. they're really...
2: It's set kind of like an... It set, like, an idea of what's going to happen, but it didn't really happen.
1: I think this movie just relies too heavily on this deceit of Darkrai and trying to get the audience and the characters to think that it's this evil creature when actually it isn't. And I think that it works for the characters but not the audience
0: yeah that's pretty much spot on
1: and, and the reason i say that is because the audience gets to see so much more of mm-hmm. Dialga, palkia fight at the start i mean it opens on that it doesn't we don't see dark for a good 15 minutes mm-hmm. of this movie is we're we're 15 minutes into the movie before dark even shows up and that's after we've seen the legendary battle and we've seen the characters enter the city and meet everyone else uh, like Alice and the Baron and everyone so we don't even see the character that the movie is named after for that long and we already as the audience get that idea that you know there's this bigger thing going on with this battle between Dialga and Palkia and like I wish they haven't. I kind of wish, like, yeah. they
0: just, they're just like, well, we, we'll see plenty of two Pokemon fighting later, so let's just focus on Darkrai and what's going on here.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, too, because they try to, with the Baron especially, they try to, you know, blame the weird occurrences mm-hmm. and, like, the energy wave on Darkrai, and it works for the characters because they don't know of any other possibility. Right, you know, th- they don't know that Dialga and Palkia are fighting in another dimension. They haven't yeah. seen those, like 5 to 10 minutes of battle that we have. Darkrai is the yeah. easy black sheep here. For the characters, yes, yeah. but for the audience, it's immediately obvious what's going on. And I feel like that just kind of ruins the the deceit that like, oh, Darkrai could be the villain. It's like, no, we we know.
0: This reminds me of the Zoroark movie where I feel like if you cut the first 10 minutes, the movie gets way better because there's some mystery to it.
1: Right. And
0: this one has that same vibe to it. Um, Because it also doesn't add too much. Steph, did you appreciate or did you not appreciate seeing the Legends?
2: I didn't really understand the part with the legends like showing mm. all, every legendary out there it didn't really make sense to me um but but when i first saw it and thinking with the title it's like you see all these legendaries and this movie should be about rise of dark so maybe in my like when i set the expectation of like dark is gonna become like the big this big mythical that like can control all these legendaries or it's like how oh. much more powerful than these legendaries. So that's kind of like kind of the expectation I thought uh when trying to link in the movie title with watching that scene.
0: That's an interesting take. I I feel like that would have been really cool actually. <laughs> like that was something yeah. to be worried about. And also leads me to my next point, which is they don't really show too much of Darkrai's power. Like, in terms of its negative effects, we only see one real instance of someone having nightmares and experiencing that firsthand with Ash. But I thought it would have been a cool way to kind of expand on that and see, like, this is how it affects nature or maybe disrupts the balance of peace in this garden.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a tricky line to toe. And the reason I say that is because they're again trying to rely on this deceit of like mm-hmm. oh Darkrai could be evil but in actuality it isn't and it, this Darkrai in particular has been shown compassion. Yes. And, and and it's it's a weird thing for a pokemon that's portrayed that way. Mhm. Or portrayed as Darkrai is normally as this like vengeful, spiteful Oh, I'm going to cause nightmares and ruin everyone's lives sort of character. Mm-hmm. Um, but because as a character, it's been shown compassion and knows compassion. Thanks to Alice and Alicia. It's, it can't act that way. It can't act the way that dark, the dark Rye that everyone's expecting. Hmm. And so I, I feel like it's, they, they really couldn't show that like vengeful, like I'm going to cause malicious. nightmares and yeah, malicious Darkrai that you would expect.
0: Yeah, let's talk more about Darkrai as a character because we learn a lot about him, I guess, I, technically genderless throughout the movie, especially through flashbacks. How did you guys feel about that presentation of Darkrai's character?
2: I think that they do kind of show that kind of expectation at the beginning of the movie when it first appears in the garden in front of Ash and the Baron and everyone else. When Ash goes into that nightmare, it kind of sets that expectation already with, uh, oh, Darkrai's malicious, very, uh, very mad, not mad, but like very. It can cause you to go into nightmares and all of that. So they portray it as a little bit more of a scary mon at that point. But mm-hmm. as the movie goes on, they kind of show the other side of Dark Cry that it's not scary. That it it's there. It's very compassionate. It wants to help the people. Um, after Dark Cry had that thing with Alicia, um, that moment, and so in the garden, it was kind of like you. Would, it was expected, it was acting how it was expected, but in the beginning, it was just trying to communicate
3: Mm -hmm. to the
2: other dimension that, uh, to go away, when it said go away, you would think, oh, they're saying go away to, like, Ash and everyone else, Mm uh, causing that kind of spookiness, but instead it was trying to communicate go away to Palky and Dialga, but that's not, We don't know about that until like later on when we learn more about Darkrai.
0: Steph, how did you feel about that reveal that it's Darkrai hasn't been yelling at us; (laughs) it's been yelling at uh, Dialga and Palkia?
2: Um, I was kind of like a little bit surprised because I wouldn't have thought that Darkrai was very nice, Uh, Mm.
3: kind kind
2: of like Mewtwo. Um, because I thought Mewtwo just wanted to destroy the world, but, uh, uh, and that's what I thought about Darkrai too. It just wants to put everyone into nightmares and cause chaos. And so learning that it was actually trying to help everyone else, especially with how it's like portrayed in the beginning, was kind of surprising for me. I didn't really expect Darkrai to be a friendly person. Even though Darkrai is like one of my favorite mythicals, I was like, I didn't expect it to have this other side of it.
0: I definitely I haven't watched it in a while, but I appreciate that reveal in the way. It's a little obvious in terms of like what the conflict is. I like reinterpreting those lines that Darkrai has throughout the movie, as in, instead of being like aggressive, they're more about defending its territory and everyone. Really, it's like looking out for not just itself, which is I think really cool. And one thing you touched on earlier that we see through flashbacks is uh, Alicia meeting Darkrai in the garden, like, way back in the day because she is Alice's grandmother. Uh, J.M., what do you think about this first encounter and the friendship that comes out of it?
1: I like it. I think it makes sense. Um, I, I really enjoy this, like, multi-generational story. mm mm-hmm. um, and we get this too with um, Tonio and his great grandfather uh Godi. Right. Yes. Um and, and, and the two the two are linked, Alicia and, and Godi. They're um they, they know each other back in their era and they are one generation apart, but they, they are still shown as close companions. Um and, and we see that like multi-generational story where uh, Alicia and Antonio are in love in the modern day. Or Alice and Antonio, rather.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good point also. is Sometimes with movies, they'll be like, this happened hundreds of years ago, or like, like an <laughs> unrelatable amount of time in the past.
1: Which, which they kind of do when they say like 100 years ago... But then Ash is like trying to do the math and just <laughs> so dumb with it. He's like, that's 10 times 10. Yeah,
3: that but is thanks, fair. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Thanks.
0: Uh, this is why he doesn't do EV training. It's too much math for him.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but they try to make that, or they show that for a kid, that would be yeah something hard to wrap their head around.
0: Right, right. Like, someone who's been around 10 years of their life, like, whoa, 10 times me.
1: That's a long time. Exactly. Um, But, you know, it's only a couple generations. It's, you know, Alice's grandmother and Antonio's great-grandfather.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about Godi. So, when you guys first heard about this character... Did you did you uh, suspect the origins of his name, or the, make a
1: connection there? I caught it immediately. Okay, uh, like when we watched it on Twitch, I caught it. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I don't get it right now. Actually, Ooh, okay. Th- thinking about it and not really, it does. I don't make any connections.
1: Alamos town is very much based on Barcelona, Spain which is a city that I've been to, and I've been to many of the landmarks that are related to locations in this movie. So the space-time tower is a direct ripoff, for lack of a better term, <laughs> uh, of... Uh, reference. La Sagrada, yeah, <laughs> reference uh, to La Sagrada Familia, which is the massive cathedral at the center of Barcelona. Uh, and this cathedral is actually still under construction today. And has been under construction for, I think, over 200 years now. Yeah. It's still not complete after all this time. And is actually scheduled to be finished. I think they're still on schedule for 2026 was the last I had heard for being completely done. Um, Now, this cathedral is actually... uh, It it was designed by an architect named Gaudi, which Hmm. is where... Uh, the character Gaudi's name comes from.
0: Yes, the full name is Uh, Antoni Gaudi.
1: Which Tonio also comes from. Exactly. (laughs) Gaudi is one of the most famous uh, architects in uh, Catalonia, uh, the region that Barcelona is in. And particularly in Barcelona, he's known for this cathedral for a lot of houses and developments in the city, like, spread out. You'll see his, like, really wacky, zany architecture. It's, like, a really cool style that he has. Um, and then the other big landmark that he's known for is Park Gale, which is uh, on one of the hillsides uh, that Barcelona is built into. And it's this massive nature park, which heavily resembles the garden that we see. And has a lot of those same architectural flavors. Um, this real, like, whimsical look, and it's really pretty in person, and it's really pretty in the movie as well. Um, but it's cool to see that style and these, like, references to this real life figure as as they are relevant to this movie and to the story.
0: Yeah, and when people say Gaudi. Nowadays, a lot of time it's just in reference to the architecture and the style. Like it's become an adjective at this point.
1: Yeah, if you say something is like real gaudy, real like (laughs) in your face, like it's a very loud style. Yes, is is a great way to describe
0: it. That's why, like as a kid, I have no idea what Barcelona was, who Gaudi is, and nowadays it's like, oh, it's actually really fun that they went. Like, they they pretty much put Gaudi in the Pokemon universe.
1: Yeah, and, and Barcelona as a whole. I mean, right. you see multiple landmarks and just... Like, you, you get that flavor and you realize... Like, I think the only other movie for me that had that resemblance was the Latios Latios movie.
0: Yes, like a very direct reference to a real-world location.
1: Yes, this is Venice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, all these rivers, like you, you put it together within like five minutes for sure. Um, but yeah, that's a little history lesson on who Gaudi is and why he's related to our one of our characters' great grandfather, Gaudi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you ever visit Spain, you're like, ah, I went to Alamo's town. <laughs> or if you went to Barcelona specifically, I also actually have gone to Barcelona, and the tour guide that I went with there. Says that the locals, uh, that and mostly probably about his, himself, have a very safe prediction of when they'll ever finish the the towers, and his prediction is never. So that's fair. That's, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's the pessimism um, there.
1: You know, I, I think actually they've done a decent job of keeping things uh, uh, on schedule, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because of the lack of tourism in the last couple of years. Mm,
0: interesting. Okay. Didn't know about that part. Um. But yeah. What do you think about all that stuff?
2: I think that's really cool uh, that the movie is kind of based on that city of Barcelona. I've never been to Barcelona. The only parts of Spain I've been is R- Madrid, uh, Sevilla, and Ma- I forgot, Ma- Mallorca, I yeah, think it's called. America. Um. Yeah. So those have been the only cities I've been. I never been to Barcelona mostly cuz of my uh, soccer background. Um it just kind of it doesn't let me go to Barcelona, but I do <laughs> wish to go there one day. Um put aside my soccer fan uh stuff and go visit the city. Uh, I, I did catch a game there. I think it's very. <laughs> it's oh, it's so, so cool. Uh, when I went to Madrid. When I went to Madrid, I didn't get to catch a game, but I did get to see the stadium there so that was pretty cool uh but yeah i think it's really really cool that it got based on that city obviously i didn't catch that part uh, i didn't really catch on that because i didn't know very much about the history of barcelona i didn't know very much i don't know very much about its landmarks so just having a movie based on that city is really cool it kind of reminds me of the games itself where the games are mo- most of the time based on some region uh like the current gen is based on like the uk area region so i think that's kind of really cool that they uh kind of made that connection with a diff- with a city
0: yeah i think it's a really cool inspiration for sure I I'm very curious about what it was like watching this movie as someone who lives in Barcelona. I mean, like, wait, oh, wait, what? I mean, <laughs> just like, this is my city. Why is it falling apart?
1: Yeah, it it is something too that I definitely wouldn't have noticed as a kid. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I literally only know it because I've been there, and I mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. like for instance going back to the venice example i think that one was more obvious it's iconic for
0: sure Mm -hmm. um like in pokemon you could be like this is just a wacky town that's very artsy um and honestly it kind of reminds me of the castles that you see in the entei movie that the unknown make
1: oh yeah yeah it
0: has kind of that glassy water style going on um, and they, I, that could also just be inspired by Gaudi, <laughs> like a very. Um...
1: I think too with like the earlier generations because they're all supposed to be based on like Japan. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder for like us Americans or Westerners to really wrap our heads around the references there. And I right. think, you know, going forward into the the latter half of the Pokemon series where they expand to like. Unova and Alola and Kalos and all these, all these regions that are very much more Western and have landmarks that we're more able to recognize becomes much more apparent.
0: They kind of diversify and then they're just like, where do we go for this special movie events for like this, this random place in their journey. Uh, mm-hmm. But that does lead me actually to kind of place this movie for a list who are trying to figure out where the heck this movie happens, right off the bat. If you keep watching the anime, this is established as a canon movie in in like multiple ways in the in a future episode. Basically, we believe this actually happens right after top down training, which is the episode where our heroes meet Cynthia in their journey of the anime. Um, because in that discussion, they talk about. Wouldn't it be great to meet Dialga and Palkia? they just kind of say as they're looking at some ruins.
1: Very on the nose here. You're right. Uh,
0: And then it would make sense for them to meet right after. Speaking about the show, I believe a new character for you here, Steph, is Dawn. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on this new companion for Ash in the Sinnoh region.
2: I think Dawn is pretty cool. I do like the Piplup, <laughs> I love Piplup. And so uh, just Dawn having Piplup already makes it an A plus character for me. And I do have a, actually I have a full art uh, Piplup card that features with Dawn. So it's like Dawn and Piplup in a TCG mm-hmm. card uh, from the Sun and Moon era. So I have that card with me. It was one of the first few like full art cards that I ever had in my possession. So I treasure it very much. So that was kind of like my little background with Dawn. I did have a TCG card with Dawn and Piplup. So I did know about Dawn (laughs) having Piplup. So it's pretty interesting. I haven't really seen the Sinnoh anime. So I can't really talk much about like how much I like Dawn or anything. But I do think... It was pretty cool. I did like when she interfered between Alberto and mm-hmm. uh, um, the lady uh, who was trying to take him. Yes. To, yeah, Alice. And uh, she was like, Oh, stop it. She doesn't want you. And I was like, You go, girl. Yeah, <laughs> You yeah. got it.
1: I, I love Dawn. She's great. She's. <laughs> oh, man. My, my views on Dawn have changed so much since we started this show. And I love it.
0: Yes, I was going to say the exact same moment, stuff that, like, Dawn just immediately halting this harassment was like, you go, girl, like, this is great. <laughs> I think in some ways, helps Ash, to, like, survive this movie. Like, there were several points where I'm like, Don's the brains here.
1: Yeah. I mean, it starts with that, that comment, the uh, 10 times 10. And she's like, oh, jeez, this guy. She's, she's like, Ash, what are you doing? <laughs> and
0: speaking about Dawn, what did you think about the rest of her Pokemon? I-, I know they all threw them out at once <laughs> in a little bit, so it might have been hard to tell, but were you kind of able to piece together what her party of Pokemon was?
2: Another, her other two were Banary and Buizel. Am I yes. missing any There's more from one that? More. Can't remember who the other one was.
0: Oh, do you remember when. They save the day with electricity?
2: Oh, Pachirisu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. Uh, so, yeah, Pachirisu, Buizel, and uh, Benari. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cute kind of theme going on with Piplup and Pachirisu and Benari. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about Buizel being cute, <laughs> but I can, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can let it slide for that one, but... Yeah, I think she has like kind of like a cute theme going on here, which I really, really like. And with Pachirisu, I mean, Pachirisu is very famous in the VGC after someone like did really well with it and won a world's championship with mm. Pachirisu. So uh, it's very loved in the, a little, it's loved a little bit in the VGC community. So I kind of have that affection towards it already. So
0: Nice. Yeah, that's definitely on my sitting these order list when we eventually get. There. But yeah, for some background here, Dawn is kind of the reason they're coming to the town. Did you catch that, JM?
1: Yeah, so the narrator mentions this at the start. The uh, mm-hmm. Alamos Town contest is being held. And they mentioned it's actually held in the Space Time Tower. Yes. And, and we get to see that like contest venue briefly.
0: Uh, Because our heroes meet Alice, who carries them over in the hot air balloon, and she gives them, like, the tour of the town. This part was kind of weird because, (laughs) believe it or not, Steph, there is not a performance hall inside of the Sagrada Familia in real life. But I'm like... (laughs) I would hope not. (laughs) If it was in the Pokemon World, I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) Just, like, put it in there. Dawn is a contest coordinator, so... She goes around and collects ribbons, much like Ash collects badges. To get ribbons, she competes against other people um, in a tournament-style thing to be able to get all five ribbons and enter the Grand Festival. So that's why we're here. And I think it's a little neat to see this, because in other movies, our heroes just kind of happen to be there or, like, stumble upon a town, and that's where the events take place. But... I enjoyed personally seeing how it was like, oh, we're doing something that's related to what's going on in the main show still, even though it kind of comes out of left field. Uh, and
1: we'd never actually see it.
0: Well, did you stick around for the credits? I kind of skipped them. They show the
1: contest Not gonna during lie. the credits. <laughs> I like skip through and check to see if there are any keyframes, and I missed that.
0: We'll, we'll talk about that as we get to the end, but it does actually happen, and I totally forgot that. Until I watch it the second time. But as the movie continues, our music takes a big role in this movie. It starts off with, like, Pokemon playing in the garden. And then they start fighting over these berries. She starts, and Alice starts playing this tune on her, like, leaf. Like, blowing, blowing a... Do you guys know how that works? Blowing a leaf? Is that what it's called? Grass whistling? Is that is that... Man, we...
1: Yeah, leaf leaf whistling leaf, is what okay. Don calls it when it when it happens. And actually, you and I have discussed this previously, mm-hmm. well, way back in the Nuzleaf episode. Yeah <laughs> the the ever important Nuzleaf
0: episode. Steph, in your educated Here. guess, <laughs> can Nuzleaf learn grass whistle?
2: Mm, I would think yes, because it's grass, but also. It maybe not because I also learned that C dot learns explosion and something that I was like very <laughs> dumbfounded about and I was like, wait, it learns explosion? CDOT. A C DOT? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it could go both ways. I mean if I didn't learn about C. Dot Learning Explosion, I'd probably say, "Yeah, I should learn that move." But now that I like learned that C. Dot Learned Explosion, it's like, yeah, there's a possibility it doesn't know that.
1: All logic flies out the window as soon as C. Dot <laughs> Learned Explosion. <laughs> it's a deadly
0: combo if you think about it: put him to sleep and then blow him up. And that doubt is well planted. <laughs> it cannot learn Grass Whistle, and there's moments in the anime where, like, it clearly does use it. It's it's bizarre. Is that what you were going to talk about,
1: Jim? Yeah, I mean, it was just like that's the first time we've seen something like that in the Sinnoh series, and it—it's mm-hmm. um, something that Dawn recognizes, and it's clear that that episode has happened based on you know various clues, right? Um, we see you know Pseudo Wudo exists, <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, <laughs> We do get this intro of the musical theme that's kind of central to this movie. Uh actually before the garden, when they're flying in on the hot air balloon and Alice plays the leaf whistle. Mm-hmm. And we we get these home bird Pokemon flying in and you know, communicating with Alice. Uh and then we, we hear this theme throughout and we, we learn near the end why it's so important uh, you
0: talked a little bit before Steph of how Don kind of stepped in and helped her fend off Baron the Baron uh what do you think about this introduction and like this movie specific character of Alice
2: I when she offered them a ride I didn't really think she was going to be like one of like the main characters around that would stick so I was very surprised that she was still throughout the whole movie she was still there. <laughs> I was like, oh, "Hello, you're still here." Uh, so but I do I do like that she made it in as a main character. I do like the side story of her love life. Uh, it makes the it makes her character a little bit more interesting into it mm-hmm. um with the flashbacks as well with her and Antonio and her grandmother how they kind of look very similar. So I think Mm -hmm. it was a very, very interesting character. And the side story that they made with her, with the love story, uh, made it a little bit more of an interesting character throughout the movie.
0: Yeah, I appreciated that she wasn't just the taxi ride. And that's it. Like, okay, bye. For JM, how about you?
1: I really liked Alice. Um, You know, you get the standard introduction of any new female character with Brock being... Rock, And I'm not going to go into that anymore. Um, And then, yeah, I I also expected that sort of like throwaway character. I mean, almost akin to like an Officer Jenny or a Nurse Joy type where, you know, they exist and they show up and serve a purpose and then that's it. But no, I mean, she did have this, you know, relevance to the story. And and she serves also as our introduction to uh, Tonio, which we had seen... In the opening, but had no idea who he was.
0: Yeah. Um, Again, I don't think we needed this opening. Like, just just like leave leave this yeah. amazing introduction of Antonio in the garden as like the same introduction for the audience.
1: I, I also do like how that love story, the like conflict between Antonio and the Baron also kind of translates into the two ways that the main story could go Mm. in that, like one of them, but like like they're, they're they're true opposites. Mm -hmm. So Tonio is much more logical in his approaches. Uh, the Baron's very emotional, very emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they are like sort of opposites in a lot of ways. And one of them, you know, Trust Darkrai and you know realizes that there's something else going on, and the other is just immediately this is Darkrai's fault. Like we need to destroy Darkrai, <laughs> <laughs> um, which you know yeah. other extreme. Uh, but you you see that these two characters are constantly at odds, and it's you know it it also comes into play with their relationships with Alice.
0: Also has this belief that Tonio saved her life when they were young. And that kind of plays into her affection for him over Alberto. This does lead me to a bit of a weakness for the movie. Since I I do really enjoy the multi-generational storyteller. I feel like someone would have passed down more information about Darkrai for Alberto to be <laughs> so aggressive about this Pokemon and blaming it immediately for things that, as far as they're aware, don't really make sense for Darkrai to be the culprit behind. Right. Um, but it's it's a minor detail overall. I, it could just be Alberto looking for his, his like moment of glory and not really caring behind the logic of it all. And that's where Tonio kind of fills that space. Then like for the central conflict of this movie. Is a bit of, like. Close to halfway into it. Where we see that. The, <laughs> the whole town. Is surrounded by mist. And they can't get out. Steph what did you think about. Them like trying to escape. And getting through this. Fog and the bridge.
2: I just thought that. I didn't really have very many. Thoughts about it. It was just like you're trying to go in and run out but you're like immediately sent back in the way like you're like running backwards back towards the front. So it's kinda weird how you try to run into the mist but then after like the mist is gone you're running towards where you started. So it was very it was very weird and I just couldn't like logically think how that could happen. I mean, I, I'm a very logical <laughs> thinker. So it was just like, it was like, what the heck is going on here? Like, why are they running towards <laughs> it? But now they're running backwards. Like, did they hit like an invisible wall? Um, did you just run in circle? Uh, so it was kind of interesting and a little bit, it, it like caused some confusion in my mind. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. How did this happen?
0: I did appreciate them trying to use Defog because it's like, yep, this is the yeah. only way
1: you would use it. Wasn't it a Staraptor too? Uh,
0: it was a Honchkrow.
1: Honchkrow, that's what it was. Uh,
0: again, we find out more about this later, but I, as a kid, was also like, how does this, like, what What are the physics of this? Like, <laughs> Please explain. Like, at some point as a kid, I'm pretty sure I thought, like, oh, did Ash go into, like, a mirror dimension or something? That... Just like perfectly reflects R, so if he goes straight through, it's just gonna look the same to him. But we learn that Palki has kind of just like kidnapped the town basically as it's trying to escape Dialga. And the rest of the movie kind of goes at a slower pace. And there's a lot of like minor details there. So just to save some time with the summary and kind of go into everything that goes down definitely just go watch the movie for more of this more of like the details there um we get to see Dialga and Palkia kind of battling throughout the town Darkrai helping our heroes like survive basically (laughs) because they find out that the way they can save the town is by using music to calm down Dialga and Palkia what do you guys think about this being the solution to this fight between deities in this town.
2: I think it kind of makes sense. Because it's like, whenever you, it's like kind of like a human, whenever you feel stressed or you feel like very much out of place, uh, calming music can sometimes calm your mind, calm yourself. And so the music here in terms of calming... Dialga and Palkia, it kind of makes sense in that it will, like, it's like, it's like, like I said, like a human, like when you're like super stressed or something, and just hearing some calm music really helps you a lot and kind of help brings you back to what's actually happening. And that's kind of like what was happening with Dialga and Palkia. They're like fighting for each other, but we never actually know what they were fighting about. Um, I don't think I picked up on what they were fighting about. It was just, like, two kids that are, like, fighting over a unknown toy. So, and the music just there is to, like, calm them down, bring them back to their, I guess, senses to understand that, hey, fighting is probably not the best thing that we can do. And we're probably mm-hmm. destroying this town here. So we should probably stop fighting.
0: Well, the element I enjoyed about it was that it wasn't, anyone here is a chosen one who has to save the day. Someone in that past was able to prepare for this, built these space-time towers, and also the tool to make it all work, um, which I really appreciated. And I'll get more into some cool patterns that this movie breaks, but J.M., what were your thoughts on uh, Oration and the space-time towers?
1: Yeah, so the, the trope of a song that can save the world is one that I actually really enjoy. Mm. I, it's not the first time I've personally seen it. Um, but it is, it is something that I like. Uh, I do agree that, you know, not relying on this chosen one to to save the world uh, is a nice change of pace, especially for a Pokemon movie um, because Ash Ketchum has been chosen, like, 50 times. Um, whereas here, here he's more of, you know, right place, right time. Mm-hmm. Like, he only is the one to save the day, with Dawn's help, obviously. The, those two are the only ones to save the day because of happenstance and, like, the, the series of events that lead up to it, like the balloon getting destroyed on their way up. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not so much this, like, chosen one must fulfill their destiny, um, like, cough the uh, Lucario movie, <laughs> Mr. Aura <laughs> <or> Guardian. <laughs> um, I do like this trope. I think it does come, if you think about it too hard, just like anything in the Diamond and Pearl series, it kind of falls apart in that, like, why is it this song's Like, it, is this... Is it the song itself just some like inherent like truth of the universe where like everything is just calm now? Mm-hmm. Or is this like. Because it, it seems to imply that like Alicia wrote this song or like created the song mm-hmm. when she helped Dark Rye in the past. But then it's like, well, why is it that song? Is it like. Is that something that like Dark Rye granted because. Like, he was shown compassion, or... I I don't know, they could have given a little bit more in the origin of, not the song, but the song's power.
0: Sure. Yeah, I can see that for sure. My understanding that I put together in my head was she just has this tune, she plays in the garden, and literally, like, every Pokemon reacts to it by calming down and just decided to make it a whole complete track basically um yeah. that can affect even legendaries as we see but it it definitely merits a bit more background in terms of like why this like is it something special is it can it be recreated um what are the origins mm-hmm. of the underlying power here for sure
1: Oh, I was just going to say, like, a, a lot of the times when you see a trope like this, it's usually some, like, divine power. Right. You usually see it like, oh, this is, for instance, like, a song of the gods. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they could have done that because of how they hammer in how, like, Darkrai and Palkia are deities.
0: Right. They specifically say deities, which is interesting. Several times, yeah. They don't really call it Darkrai. Darkrai is kind of looked at as a monster, really, but mm-hmm. it's still a Pokemon. At the end of the day, like Dialga and Palkia, which I found interesting right. as a distinction. But yeah, the as much as like the movie picks up after they they decide like we need to go and get this music to play at the top of the towers they take their time to get there. (laughs) Like, sure, they run into a ton of setbacks because of everything that's going on in the town. But, uh, Steph, what do you think about the pacing for them reaching the tower and the climax?
2: I think it was a little stressful uh, towards the end Once, like, Darkrai was trying its best to stop the last hit to happen, Mm -hmm. which is what they were trying to get and they were almost there but then like there's like a moment there where they like just look at like outside of a window at, during that mm-hmm. moment <laughs> yeah. and I was like you could be yeah. running towards it right now but you can't stop? <laughs> Excuse me? Keep yeah exactly going. I was like just keep going don't worry about everything else just go 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 and so that bothered me a little bit cause towards the end yeah um, it did seem a little bit rushed and kind of, like, stressful, like, trying to get there, but then they just, like, stop at the very end, and I'm like, no, don't stop, keep going! Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really I, appreciate that part, um, but yeah.
0: I, I mean, it seems like they there's a specific moment where Dawn's like, hey, wait up, Ash, and calls him back, and I guess that's where the rest of the Pokemon were like, no, no, we're gonna keep going! Uh, and Actually that's how be they progress. beat them. They do reach the top, and there's no power because <laughs> half the half the city is disintegrated wherever they were getting their power from is probably gone at this point and i like that they improvise they're just like all right pikachu Pachirisu, let's do it like go go like give give me your electric moves right here and that's apparently enough to start the machine and just give the biggest light show like A tower has ever given. Steph, what do you think about this, like, glorious presentation that we get from the towers with the wings spreading, all this light coming from it?
2: I think it's pretty interesting, and it looked really pretty, but also it's like, Pachirisu and Pikachu can do that? Like, that's a lot of (laughs) electricity to power up one building, like... That was a (laughs) lot of power, and I feel bad for Patrice and Pikachu, because that could have maybe tired them very much um, to just power up Mm -hmm. the whole city. I would have just expected that it powered up enough to play the song, not to, like, power up the whole town.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just, like, bathe it in this golden light and heal Palkia's injury. That's how powerful this song was.
1: Yeah. Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, this is your favorite Trump Shia. What are you talking about?
1: Uh, I like the idea of it. The execution, especially right at the end, was just like, oh, it also just does that. Okay is healed. Great.
0: Yeah, I, I do the kind questions. of wish it was a little more subdued because they suddenly <laughs> reveal, like, the tower can open up and, like this light just comes from it that has no explanation
1: um yeah it just becomes a phoenix right <laughs> like, <great.
0: laughs> and like in some ways it's cool to see visually mm-hmm. but i think having seen earlier in the movie how music just by itself is able to cause a huge impact in relationships and how people feeling in pokemon just playing the music by itself would have been interesting as like the reveal of everything and just like oh this is the f- the full orchestral version of this song
1: yeah yeah
0: uh but we did skip a key moment here of Darkrai giving its final gambit to stop dialga and palkia steph what did you think about that moment
2: Thinking about it now, it makes me a little bit sad to think it's like, "Oh, Darkrai did all of this, and now it's gone." Especially because it's one of my favorite Mythicals. It's very mm. sad. But when I first watched when I watched the movie, I didn't really feel that emotion, that sad emotion, like I would have when Ash turns into stone in the Mewtwo movie. Um I just don't think there is a much emotion going around after Darkrai just kind of leaves, disappears. Uh, but thinking about it now, it's like, um, I, I feel so, it's so sad that it just gave everything it could, and then it's mm. still, still a victim of, disip- yeah, it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's not really dead, because it comes back at the end of the movie, and I'm like, oh, there it is!
0: Right, right. <laughs> uh, J M, Dark demise. Yeah, your thoughts.
1: It's one of those things where I, I don't think the event itself is what's important. I think it's like the reaction it gets from everyone else afterwards. Mm-hmm. Of like Ash is like, "Oh, I can't let Dark Ride down now." It's right. Like, well, yeah, it's dead. <laughs> um, it's not like one of those big moments where you're like given the chance to to mourn this mm-hmm. because there's still the high stakes of the entire city is going to be destroyed anyway. Right. Like you got to focus on the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't have the time to process that as the audience and the characters don't have the time to feel sad about it until after the, um, the conflict is resolved.
0: Would have liked seeing the townspeople and everyone who, Thought badly of Darkrai reacting to this more, because
1: yeah, that's
0: kind of the the big like underlying social disparity here that people have a have like a a very bad idea of what Darkrai is and what its intentions are, and then seeing that it sacrificed itself to save them would have been really cool. But instead, it kind of focuses on Alice, which makes sense. It's very much mm-hmm. connected to Alice and Alice's family. But like, I think there is a lot of satisfaction to be seen in people's misconceptions being cleared. I,
1: I think it could have just been handled if they gave the Baron a little more recognition. Mm. Uh, like a moment of realization, yeah. like, hey, Darkrai isn't bad. Like... The other mm. two, Alice and Tonio, have that moment. They right. They realize, like, their past memories click. Mm-hmm. But the Baron just kind of goes along with it and doesn't have that realization. Doesn't really empathize with Darkrai at all. hmm. He's just along for the ride. And as the character who drove the rest of the town, do to literally try and kill Darkrai. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like halfway through the movie, as a licky licky, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a whole other can of worms. Um, but he he has that moment where he turns the entire town against Darkrai, and there's just no resolution to that. It just, yeah, we kind of forget about it.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's definitely glossed over because like the town's about to blow blow up, so we need to <laughs> we need to go and save that instead. They're able to convince Palkia to turn everything to normal. We do finally get a, a small chance to mourn Darkrai uh, with Alice and everyone else kind of looking over the valley. And as they're leaving, we get Steph's favorite moment of the movie <laughs> featuring the li- the long limbs of Darkrai.
2: Basically the only reason uh, why I, I like watching the movie <laughs> just to look at Darkrai's
0: life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they look super long here because it's, shadow is just stretched out by the sunset
1: also they're just long legs
0: exactly with the quick turnaround Steph what do you think about Darkrai being JK I'm alive
2: um I it just made me think that it the town when Darkrai kind of just like disappeared it basically I feel like after seeing it appear at the end of the movie it just means that he probably went to a different dimension um it didn't really die mm-hmm. uh, and so that's mm-hmm. what was happening to the town as well as it was disappearing it was actually kind of just going to a different dimension um right and so that's kind of what happened and then at the end it was just like oh there's Darkrai again it just makes me a little bit more happy um just seeing Darkrai again and there that it mm-hmm. didn't really die uh, so that's just kind of the mm-hmm. realization that it was probably just sent to a different dimension that we couldn't see, uh, that the people in the town couldn't see or didn't know about. And so after everything was back to normal, it was like the town was all brought back. So it was Dark Cry brought back. So um that's kind of what happened there and then just seeing dark rice long legs it really makes me question why they haven't showed that in the games but i can understand <laughs> why um it does seem a little bit creepy but i just find it very fascinating and interesting and questioning why none of like any like animations have ever happened of dark rice legs in the game so if it was in sword and shield like in the camp, if it was in a in the camp, can Ooh. we see its legs?
3: <laughs> oh no can we see its
2: legs or not? So that would I, that would be something very interesting. And I'm hoping one day they would add darkrai to sword and shield, just so that I can see that interaction.
3: I
1: I, I don't need to see Darkrai with legs charging at me <laughs> in the camp. Uh I, I will live a very happy life if I never have to experience that. But
0: yeah, that kind of wraps up the story there. We cut to the credits after learning that Dark is Alive and see a montage of Dawn's competition. And of course, because it would be weird if she won a ribbon during the movie, (laughs) in case people haven't watched a movie and just watched the show, uh, she does manage to get second place. And a very minor character does... that we do see throughout the movie actually wins that ribbon. Uh, can you guys take a guess at who that might be? If I want you to give it a try.
2: I saw the end, so I, I'll let J.M. take a guess.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say that Empoleon uh, Trainer. Ooh. Wow. Okay, how come the Empoleon Trainer? Yeah. Uh, because it's the one that's seen interacting with Dawn the most, and that, like, trio of starter trainers is, like, I don't know, they're they're really cool, and I wish they had a little, like, they show up a lot, but I wish we learned more about them.
0: Right. Like, they're they're basically there for the battle intro montage. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, No, they show up throughout. Yes,
0: right, right. Um, I I just mean, like, the most time we spend with them is, is probably that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is actually the Infernape trainer named Allegra. What? Oh, man. (laughs) They, okay, they actually have an interesting amount of Chimchar love in this movie. Because Alice has a Chimchar, we get this Infernape, and otherwise there's no Chimchar appearances because our heroes don't have one. They only have... Have uh, Piplup and Turtwig, with Turtwig being Ash and Piplup's being Dawn's. So, again, mm-hmm. I think they're like, oh first movie, we have to show all the starters. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's just put this chimchar in with Alice.
1: Could have waited like six episodes and <laughs> included all three. Overall
0: thoughts before we jump into some uh, dark ride connections. Steph, do you want to go ahead and rate it out of 10 legs? How many legs would you give this movie?
2: <laughs> How many legs? I probably would give it a, a a seven, and it's only up there because of the rye legs, to be honest. Um, if it, there wasn't any rye legs involved, I'd probably give it like a five. Yeah, I okay. just wasn't really interested. It didn't really capture my interest a lot. I mean, now knowing about the Barcelona history on it, it does make it a little bit more interesting to see And learning about the Barcelona history and everything that's represented in the movie makes it a little bit more interesting. But initially, I wasn't a very big fan of it.
1: I probably put it a 6.5 to 7, somewhere in that range. Uh, I liked it a lot. It it was fun. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a huge fan of the story just because when you... When you get down to, like, thinking about the pacing, you're like, what really happened Mm -hmm. in this movie? You know, they uh, take a tour of the city. They have a brief fight with Darkrai. Uh, Then things are normal for a while, and they, like, go up and check out the top of the towers. And when they come down, everything just goes crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's just run, 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 save the city, story over. Right. Right. I think i also give it like
0: seven legs just because I, I, legs. it's good. There's just a weird thing with the pacing and conflict being very mm. spread out throughout like half the movie. And that's not necessarily bad, but like it goes from having kind of three concurrent plots happening to just one. And I think that conversion um, isn't as done as smoothly as I think it could be. But I right. like all the references that we have here to real life and the game and stuff like that are, I think, really neat. Um, I really enjoy that there wasn't a direct human antagonist. Because. Yeah,
1: the closest we get is the Baron. Right. And he's
0: more of a minor threat. Uh, compared to everything that's going on, <laughs> and to me, that's what I kind of enjoy about Pokemon in general is seeing the theme of nature and the balance. Seeing that, and seeing how Darkrai, like people assume Darkrai is actually an abnormality and not part of what we think is the natural setting of this ecosystem that is the town uh we actually kind of see it step up and claim its place and trying to restore the balance and get everything back to normal which i thought was neat and yeah this leads us into our dark right connection section <laughs> did not expect that to ride but i know steph has uh, a passion for this long-legged mythical
2: yes besides it, uh, knowing about its long legs i it is one of my favorite mythicals um it's up there in the top three i also uh went all crazy for dark right when i was in raids and pokemon go not only not doing one or 2 raids but doing 90 dark right raids oh my with, Gosh. with a total <laughs> <Steffly>. <laughs> with a total of like around a hundred Darkrai leg, uh, Dark legs not Darkrai legs <laughs> <laughs> I mean it is a hundred Darkrai legs because I do have like a hundred of them but yeah I previously I have gotten shiny Darkrai in Pokemon Go fairly quickly the last two times it was shiny and this time around I kind of just wanted to go all out and try to get uh, 300 XL candy so that I can power up my first shiny Darkrai to level 50. So I do have a bit of a connection with Darkrai, uh, not only being one of my favorite mythicals, but also being one of the few in Pokemon Go that I have gone crazy for and doing a lot of raids. The second one to come up after that one would be Dialga at like 75 raids.
0: I did like nine Darkrai raids, gave up <laughs> against <by the> a shiny. <laughs> So, do you consider yourself the Darkrai dealer now?
2: Yes, I now own the Darkrai economy. Um, <laughs> I used I used to be in the Deoxys and in the uh, Dialga one, but now I'm completely in the Darkrai economy.
0: Is there? Is it just a coincidence that you like Pokemon that start with the letter D for these raids?
2: I don't know. I didn't think about that until right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. It's your secret favorite leather. Uh JM, how about you?
1: Yeah, so uh I have two shiny Dark which next to Steph seems like nothing. <laughs> um uh, that I caught during this recent raid session as well. Um I do have connections to Darkrai in the past, and they're probably as shady as the Pokemon itself.
3: Oh! Um, when I
1: when uh, yeah, here we go. Uh When I was a kid, I did not own an action replay, but I had a really good friend who did. Mm-hmm. And once we, because uh, you know, there was a group of us who all got Diamond and Pearl around the same time and played through them, beat them, etc. Um, once we got to the end, we fired up that action replay, and actually got the mythicals uh now we did as legit as possible with an action replay where we didn't just gen in the pokemon and call it a day we actually genned in the items needed for each of the mythical encounters and caught them ourselves um because we had some sense of morality as kids i don't don't know it it made sense in Uh our heads as like 13 year old 12 13 year old kids you know um but we did gen in all of the items that you would need for the various mythicals uh, in Gen 4, um, which would be Sick. like Darkrai, Shaman, um, the Azer Flute for Arceus. You know, very legit. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that Darkrai. I don't have any of the Pokemon that were on that copy uh, because I don't have that copy of Pearl anymore. Um. But yeah, I did have a dark ride as a kid, as illegitimate as it was. Um, didn't really use it much, but I did, you know, experience that event distribution. Cool. Um, okay. In that way,
0: and just so you're aware, JM, there is police waiting at the door for you. So just go with them quietly. I know. And- I'm sitting Ugh. by the
1: door. I, uh, <laughs> there, there's sirens. There's sirens and lights. Will I'm terrified. <laughs>
0: Well, don't worry, yeah. because I'm about to join you, because oh. I actually also used an action replay as a kid, wow. and vividly... <laughs> <laughs> Here's Yeah, this is my confession time. I actually... The, mo- the most passionate thing I wanted to do was walk through all the walls. So, <laughs> what I... What I did was just walk throughout <laughs> all the region, through the trees, across the water, and stumbled across not only Darkrai, like what is this, <laughs> but also Shaman. So I was like,
3: "What? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what am I
0: looking at?" Because those events wouldn't happen until Platinum, but they're in those games. So as a kid, right, I was like, they're
1: "Coded in." And- huh. Like the items exist, which was really weird. Yeah, exactly. And, I don't know, as a kid, I felt like the game was, like, incomplete because of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Some could argue that, because there's some Pokemon in the Dex that aren't <laughs> available until post-game. Uh, which is why, of course, Platinum kind of takes the case against the definitive version here. But let's get to some trivia about this movie. There was actually a distribution in Theaters in Japan letting people get a Darkrai that knew Roar of Time and Spatial Rend. So if oh, you want over- interesting. Yeah, if you want an overpowered Darkrai with the signature moves of Daoga and Palkia, that's how you could get it. Uh, this was the first movie to use digital animation rather than traditional cell animation. Yeah, players who pre-order tickets for the Japanese run could receive a Deoxys. Uh, so, you get, <laughs> you get Steph's other favorite mythical there. And during the theatrical release, there were promotional cards to celebrate the 10th movie set. So, much like other movies that give Pokemon cards, this one was there. Uh, in the trailers, Ash is seen flying over Alamo's town using a Pidgeot. This was never shown in the movie, however. And there's a ton of callbacks to previous movies that I'm not going to get into there, but some of them include having trainers with the final evolution of all the starters, um, having balloon transportation, having music as one of the main solutions to the conflict. The lunar wing that Dawn bought in the movie, if you remember that detail, actually shows up later in the anime during an episode called Sleepless in Pre-Battle, which is the show's debut of Darkrai, and in that movie they also recognize Darkrai, which again leads to the fact that this movie is very much in continuity with the rest of the show during that opening sequence where you see all the legendaries lucario is the only put in that intro sequence that is neither legendary or mythical but you know of course it's lucario you can't include them
2: it's gonna say lucario got replaced by Raikou. Very sad. <laughs> this for Raiko.
0: <laughs> that they have a bitter feud now going on there. <laughs> hey, they're both dogs, right? So I just replaced one with the other. It's fine.
2: I don't like it here. <laughs>
0: uh, I don't think you'll like this nightmare either, because originally the nightmare that Ash was having under the effects of Dark Void was ultimately going to show a world without Pokémon, but this was removed from the final version of the movie, and that concept was ultimately retooled for I Choose You, a movie that released a decade later. But also, more recently, there was a poll in February of 2021 on the sh- on the official Pokémon website, and this movie was voted as the most popular movie of the Pokémon Diamond and Pearl series.
1: Did you either of you recognize the sound of Palkia? Like the cry? Yeah. Isn't that from the games? No. Oh. In fact, it's from a different franchise entirely, one that you mentioned in this episode. Oh jeez. Steph, you wanna take a guess?
2: Because I rarely watch movies, so it's probably not <laughs> it's something that I franchise, know.
0: So what
3: did I say? Oh. Oh. I did read about yeah. it. Oh. trivia as well Do you know what it is, Will? Star Wars?
1: Yes What? The cry of Palkia is the same sound effect As the lizard alien that Obi-Wan rides in episode 3 of Star Wars When he's fighting General Grievous
0: Episode 3, you said?
1: Mm-hmm Oh, okay, I haven't watched that one it's, it's this, like, really weird, wow. like, cry. And uh, it is consistent with the Hoopa movie, which I think is the next appearance of Palkia. It, it uses the same sound effect there. Interesting.
0: Oh, Palkia does appear two movies from now, actually.
1: Oh, does it? Okay. Um, so I don't it, know it'll in be that one if, if, it, if it, uh, it uses
0: it. But okay, okay. Yeah,
1: that, that's the cry. Wow. And it's, it's a really weird resampling, because that was right around the same time. How did Disney not do anything? I don't don't know if it's, like, generically, like, a sound effect (laughs) that's available. Um, Okay. From the only references I've seen on this, uh, it was pulled from that. I don't know if there's, like, an original source. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I was not
0: expecting for us to be more connected to this movie. Right. Uh wow. Okay. Have you seen that movie Steph?
2: I have not.
0: Okay. Uh which of the Star Wars War movies have you seen for context?
2: I've seen none of the Star Wars, <laughs> Wars movies, so Oh, well. throw me down here right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you can just edit this right, part out. You can out, find Will. Steph
0: on Twitter.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. oh man i didn't watch the movies until like my first year of college and my roommates were the same like how how have you lived for this long without watching these movies
1: but yeah Uh, how did you find this out again jm so we had watched the hoopa movie a while back Mm -hmm. you myself and some other people in pokemon community uh had watched that movie and I remember hearing that sound and the way my memory works, I remembered it vaguely as something from another movie series. And it wasn't until asking some other people who are watching the movie with us that I realized, uh, what it was. Um, but it did take me a while. I was like, Oh, I know this sound somewhere. Um, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh that's what it was and then i heard it again for this movie and i was like oh yep they kept this throughout the franchise <laughs>
0: do they also use it in the anime
1: i don't know because you- i haven't seen any mm-hmm. palkia scenes in the anime yet we haven't heard their cries yet okay
0: wow well there you go thank you so much for joining us on this very special episode of the rise of Darkrai.
2: yeah thank you for having me and for letting me chime in and give some of my thoughts of the movie even though i have like probably very little background into the anime and now you know into watching movies <laughs> uh, <but laughs> I, I did like uh watching the dark right legs, so i guess that was my mm-hmm. favorite part of the movie
0: <laughs> anything in particular that stood out to you from our discussion that shed some light on the movie you mentioned like the architecture and the whole gaudi lesson before
2: Yeah, I think definitely the background of knowing now about the Barcelona and the landmarks in Barcelona, how it's connected to the movie, that definitely changes a little bit of how I looked at the movie initially. Uh, So that was kind of like the highlight to me on what I learned throughout (laughs) talking Mm. through this movie.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's definitely a great takeaway. And uh, since not everyone's been to Barcelona, it, it totally makes sense that you're like, why? Why are all these weird buildings? Like, are these Pokemon original or have some real world inspiration? Uh, JM, were there any takeaways you got from our discussion today?
1: Uh just you know, the general plot uh, discussion. <laughs> um, I just huh. love getting into the details of this stuff and. You know, thinking more about like the characterization. Um the biggest thing again that I took away from the movie was just how it tried to leave that like ambiguity with Darkrai that <laughs> I don't know if it worked. I yeah. I, I think Fair. I think the movie works as a movie and I think a lot of the decisions made sense. I just as an audience member, I don't know if it worked.
0: Sure, just like the overall structure of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and, and I do, I, I appreciate the effort for the fake-out that they tried to do.
0: Yeah, I, I'm always like, maybe in the end, they, they just decide against it, because the target demographic and for a lot of this is younger so they're like yeah maybe i won't actually write it in this way but it gives me hope for if they make a more like older oriented pokemon movie that they can pull some of that off yeah uh, if the day ever comes for that but we will wait and see uh, but once again, Steph, thanks so much for joining us this week. If people want to find you on the internet, where can they do that?
2: You can uh, find me on Twitter as Steph with three E's. Steph S S T E E E P H underscore fifteen. Because apparently, Steph fifteen was already taken. I don't know who <gasps> has that, but if you have that um, handle, please give it back to me. She's uh, coming for it's you. My <laughs> <brand>. <laughs> it is my brand, and I need it. Uh, so uh, right now it's just an underscore into 15 and you can see me on Twitch a lot in the Pokemon channels. Um, I'm usually lurking in a lot of different streams as also Steph 15 with three E's on there.
0: And no underscore, right?
2: No underscore on Twitch and everything else. Only on Twitter. I'm coming for that handle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She will find you. You've been warned. And JM, how about you?
1: Yep, as always, you can find me on Twitter slash Twitch slash anywhere else, I guess, uh, with the username TurtleGuy512.
0: And I'm on Twitter at WillBeTeasing. You can check out out all our coverage on the Diamond and Pearl series here on YouTube, and pretty much get our our thoughts on at least season one at the time of this recording. And if you've been to Barcelona, feel free to tweet us those pictures. That would be awesome and uh, maybe give people an idea of what that looks like. I went back in 2014, so it's been a while. And we'd love to see if you've gone recently what that all looks like. Mm -hmm. But as always, if you want to check out the anime, you can do so on Pokemon TV, Amazon Prime, Hoopla. And feel free to share your thoughts with us in the comments. As well, uh, I've been Will. Uh, and with me today, we we had JM and our special guest Steph. Uh, any final words to the audience?
2: Um, I hope you enjoy the Dark Ride <laughs> as much as I have.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yes. And until next time, we will see you in Sinnoh.
2: See ya. Have a good one. Bye.